Welcome to Polly's Playoff. This is a potathon that was previously recorded for the Alzheimer's Association Walk to End Alzheimer's. Polly's Playoff is a tournament to end Alzheimer's. Please enjoy and donate at the link provided. Welcome to Polly's Playoff, Polly's Potathon, year three, I think, of the Potathon. I'm your host and founder of Polly's Playoff, Shane Barrett. With me on my right is uh, Rick Butts. He will be our co-host for the day and the mastermind behind the graphic. And he's letting us use our the rotoheat.com YouTube channel. So go give us a subscription there. Um, and then down below, I've got Seth Keller. Seth is the man, the myth, the legend behind that data dude. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, behind the actual playoffs for Polly's playoff. And so Seth is going to be our first guest. We're going to chat about um, just kind of the math behind the the playoffs and if he's seen any trends in that uh, over the last couple of years. And then also his, his favorite topic, which is median points per game. Um, before we get into that, though, uh, just want to say thanks to anyone that watches today. Uh, you can go to rotoheat.com slash poly, and that will actually be a redirect directly to the Octane Alzheimer's donation page. Um, the whole point of today is uh, is to raise money for Poly's Playoff and the Alzheimer's Association. So that is our goal today, that and to talk some fantasy football throughout the day with a multitude of guests from the fantasy football industry. So if you have any questions, you can... Uh, Fire them away in the comments, whether it's fantasy football, Alzheimer's, etc., uh, or DM me on Twitter at FFShaneB. Cool. Seth, before we get rolling um, into kind of your topics, tell people where people can find you and kind of um, anything that you're working on right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at FF, the at home dad. Uh, because when I started doing this many years ago, I was uh, an at-home dad for my six-month-old uh, twin, identical twin boys, um, which most people are like, how did you find time to do fantasy football stuff with identical twin boys that are six months old? They were good nappers. So when they took a nap and I finished cleaning up the house and I got a little time to jump in and mess around with some you know, just some writing, some spreadsheets, stuff like that. And so that's kind of where I started. Uh, my boys are seven years old now. So it's been almost six years of doing this. And I think Shane, you and I have been been connected through podcasts or leagues or, you know, like when you kicked off Polly's playoffs, I was like, absolutely, let me be a part of it. And then when you came to me with like a, hey, I need somebody that can do some some spreadsheet sorcery to work on these playoffs. Uh, it was, don't worry, I got you. Let me figure out how we can make it happen. And so we, we, we got that going on right now. And that's, you know, to me, that's what makes so much of what we do in the fantasy community so much fun. The expo was last weekend and it's been another year where I haven't been able to make it, but one of these years I will, but what you'll hear throughout pretty much all of Twitter from the whole weekend is just what a great community it is, how many nice people there are, how many fun people there are. Um, you know, even, even Des Bryant showing up and, and hanging out with people like super cool. 
And being able to turn all of that energy into things that really matter for people is so important and so uh, just powerful and moving. And I think Shane, you know, taking taking that step and staying with it and continuing to try and push and coming into it. This is what year four now of Polly's yeah. playoffs. Yeah, this is year oh. four of Polly's playoff. Um, and Seth, I feel like you're walking me into kind of where how it all started. Yeah. Um, and so Polly's playoff started four years ago. I was in my first ever Scott Fish Bowl and was actually in Scott Fish's division, uh, the Lego division. And uh, it was super cool getting to know Scott in that time period. And the thing that I gathered most from him and just kind of bouncing ideas off of him was you've got a, a platform at the time. I think I had like 3000 followers on Twitter. Um, you've got a platform, figure out how to do good with it. And so I was like trying to figure out a cause that was near and dear to our heart. And it ended up being Alzheimer's. So um, if you haven't checked out Polly'sPlayoff.com, this story is on there, but my wife's grandmother passed away from uh, Alzheimer's in 2019 and obviously before that had been affected by it. And so the thing for me coming from the outside, like I only had seven years with her um, from the time I started dating my now wife to engagement and, and marriage and whatnot. And uh, I only had those seven years of memories and I only really saw the decline of what Alzheimer's can do. But my wife, her dad um, and the rest of her family, like, they had years and years of memories that they were losing because um, she wasn't eventually able to, you know, remember who my wife was even. Um, and so ultimately that's where being in Scott's division, having a platform and trying to do good kind of all came into one spot was the year that she died. The following year is when Polly's playoff started um, and just wanted to really, use that platform that I had to, to make a difference. And over the last year, uh, four years, we've raised, I think on average around $5,000 a year, um, which is making a huge impact. Like the thing that, uh, yeah, thanks. And it's not even me. Like that's just shows what Seth was saying earlier is like the fantasy community is so generous with their time, their resources and their money. Like if they've got, if they know someone, you've got a relationship with them, um, and you're go trying to do something for a good cause, the fantasy community is going to step up. And I, it's one of the reasons I love it. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where Polly's playoffs started. And um, I've tried to improve it in different ways, whether it's uh, just admin stuff and, or, um, you know, how to make it more fun and, and different things like that. And that's kind of where the potathon started was like, you know, Scott Fish does a potathon. There's a mental health potathon every year. I think Seth, you've been on that before. Rick, I think were you on that this year? Yeah. 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 I was on there this year. Yep. Yeah. So I was just like, you know, that's a, I think that's a great idea for Polly's um, for year two and beyond because year one, I was just getting my feet wet trying to figure out what the hell I was doing. But year two, I was like, okay, I think I've got this a little bit figured out. Um, let's get a potathon going and see if we can raise any more money or at least give people something to watch during the, the first day of their draft. And so that's where the potathon was born. So yeah. No, I, I think that's great, Shane. And I, you know, that that story is that it's finding something that's impactful to you, right? And I think that's just so important to what 
you know, what, what we all need, right. Is just trying to figure out what, what those things are that motivate us. And, you know, when you, when you approach me with Polly's playoff, I was just like, Shane, I got you. I'm down. And like, it didn't even click until like really hearing the story and stuff like that, that, um, my wife's grandmother was impacted by Alzheimer's as well. And it's a similar situation. Like I only got to know her towards the end of it where she thought I was her son-in-law 40 years ago. Yeah. And like, it was just a, I don't have the memories to be able to see where her, her kind of decline was and stuff like that. But then like to hear from the rest of the family and just, just the impact that it has and just that, you know, the memories are so such a part of who we are as people. And to just even think about the the loss of them and how that impacts not only the person, but the person that was in the memories with you for yeah. them to like lose that. It's almost like you're losing part of that connection that you had with them. And so, um, you know, I think that's something that, like I said, I didn't I didn't put one and one together until like <laughs> really hearing your story, like the first time around and just being like, Oh my God, I was like, it, it just hits another level of connection. And so, you know, there's, there's people across the world that are impacted by this, that, you know, that's, that's a shared moment that, that can bring people together. And by having a potathon, by having something that, that you enjoy doing like fantasy football and then providing another way to connect is just going to strengthen that community and strengthen that, that ability to connect because sometimes it's difficult to, to have those connections when it feels like you're the only one that is experiencing what's going on with, you know, with Alzheimer's or with your life or with, with anything that, that becomes uh, difficult. So um, you know, once again, big, big shout out to you, Shane, um, and everybody that kind of helps make this happen, Rick, for jumping on into the Pothon and Pothon and being a co-host the whole time. Like, and everybody else that's going to be way better than me, that's going to follow throughout the rest of the Pothon. Like, huge shout out to all those people, you know, just giving time, which some people don't realize is such a valuable commodity, just giving time to be able to, to jump in and be a part of it and help raise, you know, that that little bit of awareness is just a, a a huge success already, and then what comes out of this is just just icing on the cake. So once again, huge shout out to you, Shane. Thanks, man. Well, and you triggered something in my brain too. One of the questions I have on the form for Polly's playoff is: Have you been affected by uh, Alzheimer's, um, or have you and your family been affected by Alzheimer's? And then the follow up question to that is: If yes, how? And the amount of people and set this is your next project for me actually for next year is to uh, kind of aggregate that data and see like how many people in the fantasy football uh, space are actually affected by Alzheimer's. Cause that's the other part that I wanted to really get out there was like, this is a, if I remember correctly, a top 10 uh, disease in the, uh, or killing disease in the United States. And the only one I think in the top six that doesn't have a cure yet. Now the really, really cool part, is that over the last two or three years, um, and I would like to think that it's partially because of, of what we've done here with Polly's Playoff, is they've actually developed a cure and are, are running it through FDA approval, um, or at least a, a drug to slow it down, uh, which is huge. Um, and if you guys can see in the background, there's flowers behind me um, and behind us. And the reason for that is every year at the Walk to End Alzheimer's, there's a flower garden. Now, it's these little plastic pinwheel flowers 
Um, but the the whole meaning behind that is there's purple, yellow, orange, white, and blue uh, flowers in the flower garden. And each year you're supposed to grab a flower based on whether you're a caregiver, you're just supporting someone with Alzheimer's, you are someone that has Alzheimer's. And then I think ultimately the white one is there's only one and it's usually brought out by a child towards the end, like before the walk actually kicks off. And that white flower is supposed to represent um, a future where children don't have to see their, their parents and their grandparents live with Alzheimer's. And so like that part is where we're making such a huge, huge impact. Um, and it's because of the, again, the generosity that we've got. So, all right, Seth, uh, my question for you is, um, and this is on the spot. So if you have to look for a minute, I understand, but like with the playoffs, um, mm -hmm. have you seen any specific trends for Polly's playoff? Like, have you seen, um specific team builds or anything like that where you're like okay that person's actually made it in mm -hmm. every single actually i know of a, a couple people a couple of the champions um have made it into the playoffs every year that they've been um have you noticed any i guess data trends in those, those areas yeah so you know what's funny is um when you're working with data there's usually two things that are happening right and one of them is your actual like analysis where you're trying to like figure everything out mm -hmm. and the other one is your it's it's more similar to like data engineering where you're trying to make sure like does this information connect well with this information and are we getting out the end goal that we're aiming for and so i was even though i was in the playoffs last year um Soft right on the back there. Um, and then uh, I was also trying to work through like making sure like everything was working out properly. Um, I was so much more focused on like, did the top 50 people move on to the next one? Did the top 100 yeah. people move on to the next one? Did the top? And then there was the one point where I was like, Shane, I missed it by 0. 0.25. <laughs> go ahead and round this other team's score down. We can do that, right? Like no one's going to know I'm in the, I didn't do that. Everyone I missed, I missed the second round by legitimately. I think it was like 0. 0.25 points. Yeah. Um, but it was, uh, you know, I was just so much focused on that that I, I I didn't spend much of the time in the actual like analysis realm where you're looking for trends and whatnot. But I will say, I think one of the things that um, helped me and I I feel like works in a lot of these type of tournaments, like you mentioned, the Scott Fishbowl, Polly's Playoff has a similar one. Um, any type of uh, tournament where the field narrows down, um, the field narrows down uh, significantly at each week, you almost need to think of it as when you get to that point, it's, it's, it's kind of like a DFS, um, tournament where it's like, you don't, you're not looking for levels of consistency at that point. You're looking for, I need a guy that can, that, that can put out like massive numbers because if he doesn't, we're done. And so that's like the, the piece that's like, you know, how do you, you know, how do you project that becomes the biggest question. And if anybody ever actually cracks that code, you know, that's, that, that's the biggest piece. Right. Um, but it's really just trying to figure out like, all right, if I, if I put, you know, if I put a guy like a, like an Adam Thielen, who's going to get me probably like 10 to 12 points, that's cool. But if I put a guy like a Zay Flowers on the team that can get me, 
He might give me five points, but he might give me 25 points. Those are the type of guys that when you get into um, at least the playoff sections, because you have to win throughout the season in order to get to the playoffs. But at least when you get to the playoff season, that's what I notice is that the teams that have those home run type of guys, they're the ones that um, when they're in the playoffs, they, you see significant runs and, and when you can put them together and you can get kind of like a, um, uh, who's a good example from last year was, uh, I think Cam Akers, when he came back from his, yeah. his Achilles, he had like two or three weeks at the very end where he was like a 20 point PPR score. If you get something like that, that's huge because that's what is going to continue that momentum in the playoffs. And if, you know, like I said, if he puts up a, a five-point game, well, guess what? If you started a dude that got you 10 points, you're going to be out anyways. The dude that start, got you 10 points and has got you 10 points and 10 points and 10 points and 10 points and 10 points, you're going to be out with that anyways. So yeah. you might as well might as well roll the dice, take your shot, and put in that dude that could have that 20, 25, you know, maybe 30, 40-point score. Um, take your Take your shot with them and see what happens yeah well and it's funny that you mentioned that because i think i i went too heavy on that for my own personal draft last year <laughs> i had like jalen waddle hollywood brown um i had all the guys that you would think of like as speedster wide receivers because i was thinking ceiling 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 yeah. um and i think last year was the first year that i actually didn't make the playoffs um in my own tournament which is pretty good um but that was that and injuries, I think, are what ultimately were my downfall. But I think there's got to, like you said, there's got to be balance in the first half of the season so you actually make it into the playoffs. Yep. But you still got to have enough ceiling that when you actually get into the playoffs, they can hit that. Yes. And um, that's, a, I don't know, that's a, a fun thing to balance. And I think there's there's one person that I know uh, who's made the playoffs every year. He was actually our first champion, and it's uh, Leo Grandio, I think is his last name. You can follow him on Twitter at Smooth1074. Um, that dude has it figured out. I, I need to have him on and, and ask him, you know, how, like, what's your strategy going into the draft? Because he's made the playoffs every year. I think he's made it to the finals um, at least in, in two out of the three years we've had so far. Um and so he's someone who who does have it figured out. And so I want to – that's someone who I, I need to pick their brain for. I mean, not, not, now that you have that, Shane, send me, send me his username and I can pull all of the – I can pull all of the um, poly playoffs rosters and we can sit down and go through and just figure out, like, who, <laughs> who, were, who were the guys that he was running with so that, you know, that, it, you can find those trends out and that's – a little bit of the magic behind the playoffs is being able to, you know, pull all the the league IDs and the user IDs and be able to find out like what uh what people are there. All right, I see it in the chat. Got you, Shane. Now another little added uh, project for me. Cool, um, Rick. I, I believe you have an update on something that we were looking at, um, which is what's the percentage of people that are in the fantasy industry that are affected by Alzheimer's? You're on mute. I will unmute myself. Um, <laughs> just looking at the data, 320 registrations for Polly's playoff this year, and 190 said they were affected. So 
just under 60%. Yeah. I mean, to, say, to, to even just say more than half, like that, yeah. like, you know, that. That's a large number. 60% yeah. is a large <laughs> number. Yeah. I mean, even even like Rick, you, you haven't said it yet, but if you like right now on, on the show, like both Shane and I have been impacted by Alzheimer's, like it, you, you might be the one lucky one that hasn't at the moment. And so that's like, unfortunately um, <laughs> not. My grandfather was hit with that. And really? it is, it is, I don't think anything's been harder to watch. Yeah. Then the deterioration of yeah. a man you look up to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously that's something that's, that's the tie that kind of binds us all together at the moment, right. Is not only fantasy football, but also being impacted by um, Alzheimer's. So it, it really is like, that's something, I think it goes back to what we were talking about before. It's creating those connections. It's creating that, those avenues of communication of just like, you know, hey, like like Rick, what you just said, like that that watching someone you look up to deteriorate, right? Like that right there is it's hard, it's painful. Like, you know, I'm my grandfather right now is going through some similar stuff like that where it's not Alzheimer, but it's cancer and it's been its second his second round of cancer. And like it's some like I lived with my grandparents for a little while when I was a teenager because of some messed up family stuff, but whatever. And like, like he taught me how to do so many different things. He taught me how to respond to so many different things that, you know, watching someone that you love and respect and just look up to in that way and just watching them, you know, not be able to do as much as what you remember them doing. It, it's, it's difficult. It's really hard. And so, you know, I think that's just more of that avenue of just that that's more things that we can talk about and and have in common. And the more that just as an entire community, we're able to do, we're able to, you know, we're able to support one another more. And you can look at each other with more of a openness um, when there's that 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 connection. So. Yeah, let's everybody know we're all just humans. We're all just yeah. trying to make the best of of what we've got, and yep. uh, and that's why I got involved. I love I love helping others. Shane, again, to echo what was said earlier, big on you for starting this up and and watching it grow and and playing any part that I can is a is an honor. Yep. Yeah, Rick, I'd, I'll say it publicly because I I. I think I've tweeted it and I know I've texted a, a few f close friends of ours, but thank you for everything that you've done, especially this year. Um, and you too, Seth, like both of you two are, are vital uh, to Polly's playoff work in the way that it does. Um, I, if I try to do this by myself, Rick knows I'm not organized enough to do that, that I'd probably jump off a bridge um, because it's just, it's a lot. Um, and so I, I've had help um, since the beginning and who's been helping is, has changed over the years, but I think it's to your point again, Seth, that's where the time thing comes in where yeah. people like everyone is so generous with their time to help um, for a good cause. And so that's what I really appreciate about both of you. Um, I, I couldn't do this without you guys. So thank you both. Yeah, absolutely. No problem at all. So Seth, um, this has been a great, this is actually better than what I was anticipating for the kickoff. Um, I want to slide into 
now kind of median points per game just on a basic level of what is that um and how do you use it and why do you use it yeah uh so if if you're new to listening to me um <laughs> you 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 haven't heard this spiel before if you you've listened before you kind of you may have heard it a little bit but it, it's always a good to have a refresher right um i've been an educator for almost 15 years now in new york city this is called spiraling in some education here. Um, and so what what we're gonna do is we're gonna go all the way back to to middle school math, right? So I've taught I've taught every age and almost every subject from fifth to twelfth grade. Um, and so we're gonna go to middle school math. And what's important here is to look at the difference between what are called measures of center. So you have three measures of center. You have mean, median, and mode. Whenever you talk about uh, points per game, what most people are doing is they're taking the average points per game. That's one measure of center. What I try and look at is Which another one is that, Seth? That's mean. Mean, mean uh, arithmetic mean, yeah. um, average all mean the same thing. Okay. Look, I was just trying to help the people that are a little slow or haven't had their coffee yet. <laughs> hey, there's no none of that. There's no such thing as a as a bad question, right? Uh, all questions help us help us move forward. Um, and then, so what I try and do is I try and look at another measure of center called median. And so what median does is it changes how we get to that center piece. And so what. Um, and so what's important about the two is the way that they are calculated, right? And this is not to say that across all, all different uh, things that we're measuring, one is better or worse than the other. It's these are all tools, right? Yeah. And a good craftsman has different tools for different jobs. If you've ever heard the expression, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Well, if all you have is if all you have is mean points per game, then that's all you're going to look at and all you're going to use. If all you have is average, that's all you're going to use. Right. And so what I'm doing is just trying to open up another avenue, which is looking at median. And so into the calculation, if you remember from middle school math, how you calculate average is you take the total and divide it by the number of parts. And so that spits out your average. And so um, what is, uh, what's to me important about that is people that trumpet mean points per game, they trumpet it because while looking at total fantasy points is dumb. You can't just look at total fantasy points and and get a true understanding of how a player did. You are correct, sir or madam. <laughs> but if you're using average, you have not taken total fantasy points out of the equation. You can only calculate average points per game by looking at their total fantasy points per game. Those yep. things will always be intertwined. And so that's not to say, and again, I'm not saying that average or mean points per game is flat out wrong. 
it is just another tool. It is another means to help you understand how people are doing, right? She's coming in for the math lesson. Come on, have her, have her pull out a notebook, Shane. She can take a little fifth, sixth grade math with us. She's <laughs> a little young for that. Hi, girls. Oh. Running the playoff, joining the potathon. Hi. Can you say hi? No, you're going to be shy. Cool. <laughs> um, all right, we're going to continue the math lesson. Cool. Um, so what median does differently is median finds the exact point in the data where 50 percentage of 50 uh, 50 percent of the data is above the median and 50 percent of the data is below the median and so what what is important about fantasy football and this discussion of mean and median is that average works really well when you have a normal curve a normal curve your mean and me your mean and median are the same number because exactly down the middle is your average and then on either side is 50% of that population that you're looking at. So when you're looking at fantasy scores, if somebody has a perfect uh, normal curve, sometimes called a bell curve or a Gaussian curve, those are all the same thing to mean that 50% of their games are up here, 50% of the games are there. That is not the case with fantasy football scores, either for an individual player or for a population of players. What you get is you get, a, you get a skewed curve where a significant more of the scores, your weekly scores, are closer to zero. And then you get what's called a fat tail, which is your players that are scoring 50, 40 points, which is a very small percentage of the total population. Mm -hmm. But if you just did a normal curve and you look at like standard deviation, the standard deviation would tell you something along the lines of like only 1% of total scores should ever be, be anything more than I forgot what the exact number was. I think it was like 27 or 28 uh, fantasy points per game. And that's just not, we know for a fact, that's not true. Like yeah. we, every, every, every week we get 30 point scores. And yeah. so if you're using a normal curve, you're, you're, you're over, you're over, um, you're overestimating the, um, you're overestimating the uh, low scores and you're underestimating the high scores because of the way the scores are actually curved. And now th this actually plays in beautifully is, uh, Shane, is that you were talking about how do you balance ceiling and how do you balance consistency? And so when you look at median points per game, it gives you a little bit of, it gives you that 50% of their games are above this. If you look at their average, and this is another thing that I've done in the past, if you look at their average, it'll say um, you can calculate how many games have they scored above their average. And now that gives you a little piece to look at of, hmm, if they score 60% of their games above their average, even if their average is a little bit lower, that's somebody that can hit those higher numbers than what their average actually is. But again, because of how fantasy scores just are naturally, most players actually have a 
uh, a lower percentage of games above their average. And yeah. again, because of how average is calculated, where Joe Mixon's 50-point game, this is good uh, people, Joe Mixon's 50-point game last year went and yep. massively skewed his average. And that, again, is because of the way if you plot out and you make a little graph of those fantasy scores, you make a histogram, um, that's where you're going to see, like, that 50-point game way out here, but then all those other ones down here. And you can see that with a lot of those. Um, you can see that by looking at median, by looking at average. I'm going to throw one more in there for you, too. Look at percentiles. It's a very similar thing. If you look at your 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 75th percentile, certain guys are going to hit that 75th percentile, and that number is going to be a lot higher. Those are your ceiling guys because that means that in a whole season that they have these five games that are well above that 75-point uh, talk there. So, yeah. Well, and Seth, the, the whole reason that – jumped in, and Taco, we were just talking on Friday night. Absolutely. Know, a little something different in my coffee on this podcast. Than, than Same here as well. Um, but Taco, how's it going, man? Welcome. It, it's going good, man. I didn't. I forgot that there was calculus in uh, fantasy football. I'm sitting here talking about derivatives and integrals and histograms. I'm like, damn, fantasy football 502. Yeah, that's that's not even calculus, though. That's that's that. And th- see, this is how this is how I know how many people got real good middle school math education because this is this is seventh grade math uh, according to New York State standards. And that's, yep. I, only t- I only teach in New York State, so that's, that's the only one I know. But this, this It's funny because I got my region diploma from New York State. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, when do we cover that? <laughs> that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's probably a little earlier than I'm uh, used to recording with both of you, so thank you both for hopping on this morning. Um, Absolutely. Taco, we'll get to welcoming you in just a minute. But the one thing I want to say is like with Seth, the whole reason that you and I started talking about median points per game and kind of the reason I love it is I was trying to figure out a way with my dynasty ranking specifically on how to find those guys that are um, hitting kind of in that 75th percent quartile um, more than they are in the 25% quartile and also to avoid the guys that are in that 25% quartile. So that way, just like you said, you can figure out the 50% guys are probably going to technically be your floor guys. Of They're going to hit that 50% quartile every single time. And then the ones that hit the 75th percent quartile are the ones that are going above and beyond more consistently. And that was kind of where this all stemmed from was you and me talking about that and me trying to figure this out for my own dynasty ranking. So um, if Seth got put you guys to sleep, I apologize for nothing because he's too smart and too important to me. So, um, but now we have, I don't think I would have put him to sleep. I hope not, but they may, they may have been like, Oh, we need to mute this for a minute. This, it, it's, it's nine o'clock in the morning. I haven't had my coffee yet. Like I need to, I, I need a full breakfast sandwich and, and, and a coffee before being ready to do, do, do the math. What's a histogram? <laughs> oh man. So, somebody's definitely going and, and a history lesson too. What is this? What is happening? Different things, people, different things. That's hilarious. Yeah. 